The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. As the pandemic winds down ever further, the true scale of long COVID and its debilitating effects are still being investigated. Perhaps the HSE's first state study into the condition can yield some answers. Now, for more on this, I'm joined by specialist in public health medicine, Dr. Paul Kavanagh, and a professor of infectious diseases at the UCD School of Medicine, Jack Lambert. Good morning and welcome to the programme. Paul, we'll go to you first to tell us what is envisaged here. Uh, Good morning, Pat. Well, look, um, I'm conscious with the week that's in it. If we think back three years ago, we saw that Patrick's Day Parade was was cancelled and the whole country came to a standstill uh, due to COVID. Since then, you know, by the end of 2020, there have been 1.7 people infected with the the virus. Uh, There had been 30,000 people admitted to hospital and sadly, you know, thousands of people have died from the disease as well. We know that some people haven't had a straightforward recovery from their infection. So now within the health service, we're taking the very simple and reasonable step of checking back with people and asking them the question, how are you now, you know, so that we can understand their needs and we can design services for people with long COVID. Now, how are you going to do this survey? I mean, if it's self-selecting, it is, I suppose, meaningless because people who are ailing will say, I'm still miserable. So you'll get 100% misery. Uh, however, you know, the averages internationally uh, suggest that maybe one in, one in 10 might have lingering effects. Yeah, so the the study that we've designed, and we've designed it very carefully with support from a steering group involving a number of experts, um, both from an academic perspective, also from a service perspective, and with patients as well. So uh, this is a survey that's going to be done on a large scale. We're taking a sample of people who are infected with COVID from the general population. So that's a very key point. We're looking across the full spectrum of the initial illness that people had with COVID, including people who uh, were, were had COVID and, and got well at home, as well as people who were in hospital. And um, we're we're going to be contacting those people. Uh, We're going to take a sample of them. Uh, We're going to be sending them out text messages so people will receive three text messages and the third will include a link that they can click on to participate in the survey. We'll be sending those out starting this week and over the next few weeks Mm. as well, right the way through to April. And very important for people to understand that when they click on that link and take the survey, that's safe, secure and confidential. You know, we've been through a very rigorous design process. There has been research ethics approval provided by the Royal College of Physicians in Ireland. And importantly, when people respond through clicking that link and providing information, we'll get a better understanding in terms of the full profile of recovery from COVID. So it's very important if people had a very smooth recovery, had a very quick recovery, that they would tell us that so that we can understand mm. that. And then if people had a more complicated recovery, it's very important that they would give us that information so that we can understand now, their needs. Will you well. be um, sending these texts out, you know, at random to the general population who may or may not have had COVID or only to those who've had COVID, and if so, how can you be comprehensive? Because many people have COVID, stayed at home, didn't go to the GP, got over it, got on with it. Yeah, so look, uh, you raised a few points there now, Pat, and I'll, I'll address those. So the first thing is we're, we're, we're sampling or we're contacting back people who we know had confirmed COVID infection. So um, all cases of, of COVID infection that were confirmed or reported through to public health within the health services, and all of that is collected by the Health Protection Surveillance Centre. So we're sampling from that bit of database. We're taking a sample of people who had confirmed COVID. So that's the first thing. Then we're contacting people um, um, and, and we're contacting people both who had a very straightforward recovery, very quick recovery, as well as people who had a more complicated recovery. So it's very important that if people are called to take part in this survey, even if they had a very simple and straightforward recovery, that they would respond and let us know that because we want to understand the full profile of of recovery across the population. 
Um, will that still give you the information you're looking for? I know this is an imperfect science. Yeah. It's not like polling for a Sunday newspaper about the state of politics, um, because, you know, there are many people who may have had COVID and not even known they had COVID, and others, yeah. of course, who ended up in, in hospital. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering what kind of a, a, a picture you're trying to get uh, at uh, the end uh, of the day. Absolutely. So look, um, working with the public and people who participate in the survey and stressing again, uh, Pat, we're we're hoping that people who had a straightforward and quick recovery, as well as people who had a more complicated recovery, will take part in the study. And and through providing us with information um, across a number of different domains, we'll have a good picture in terms of planning future Mm -hmm. services. So we're asking people to tell us, um, you know, how they experienced their recovery from COVID. And then for people who had a more complicated recovery, we're asking them to tell us what the type of symptoms are that they experienced, what the burden of those symptoms were. We're asking them about the sorts of services that they used, or if they didn't use services, what sort of services they felt would have benefited them. We're also including some free text within the survey. So we're asking people and their family to tell us directly what their experience was in terms of long COVID and the sorts of services that they would have liked. And they're also looking at risk and protective factors. We're doing this on a population basis. We're sampling across the full spectrum of initial illness of COVID. And we're doing this on a very large scale. So, so we're hoping to contact around to 10,000 people. So that will allow us to build up a very clear and comprehensive picture in terms of what people need in terms of services to help people recover from COVID. And I think, Pat, really I would want to say to people, you know, because I'm conscious some people listening into the show may have had a complicated recovery. And I know there's questions out there around, you know, does, does long COVID exist? Is it something that's real? And really I want to say that in terms of going out with this survey, this is a very clear demonstration that from a health service perspective, we recognise that this is a real entity. And we really want to work with people who have been affected by it in terms of understanding how we can put in place better services. Now, that's the question, the information that you get. And I mean, whether or not you need to go through uh, all of this to to get a percentage number who have had long COVID, international studies would probably inform you of the generality of that kind of result. But the big thing is, when you have this information definitively and you hope to gather it quickly, I presume, what are you going to do about it? I mean, how many long COVID clinics are you going to set up and where? Yeah. Well, well, Pat, look, I want to come in and address two points that you've raised there. And I suppose the first is the question as to why we would need to do this in Ireland now and, and, and whether or not we could rely on international studies that have already been conducted elsewhere. And the simple fact is that we do need to do local Irish research. The reality is when you look at the published studies that have been done in different countries, there's actually a very widespread in terms of the estimates of people who have complicated recovery from COVID. And that can go from anywhere for 2 to 3%, right to up to 50 or 60%. All of those studies, they've been done with different populations. Some of them have looked at people who were hospitalised. Some of them looked at people who were in the community. They've been done um, at different times over the course of the pandemic. And they've all used different designs with varying quality. So we can't generalise from those studies in terms of uh, what's needed here in Ireland. So it's very important that we would do this study here in Ireland. I think what's important as well is while we're aware of the fact that there have been some studies done in Ireland on a small scale, there's been studies done in Cork and Dublin, um, actually things have moved on a lot since 2020 in terms of long COVID. It was late in 2021 that we actually got a clear understanding as to what the case definition was. And since then, a number of tools have become available to measure the burden of disease. And we're using one of those tools in our study, the Yorkshire Rehabilitation Scale. And finally, as I said, Pat, you know, a lot has changed. So over recent years, vaccination has become available. And we know mm-hmm. through work that's been done in Israel that that appears to be protective yeah. in terms of long COVID. Well, many, there have been uh, new variants as well, and there has been an issue of new infections. So, so really, we do yeah. need to now look at the burden of yeah. the problem. How, ma- how many long COVID clinics do you have at the moment? 
So um, in Ireland, um, at the moment, there are around um, 10 clinics that have been um, established through the Chief Clinical Officer's um, uh, Office within the Health Service. So there are a number of uh, post-acute, there are a number of long COVID clinics and a number of more specialised clinics as well, which focus in on people who have neurological consequences from long COVID. So those services are up and running. But I think it's important, Pat, for me to stress that those services were put in place uh, back in October 2021. Uh, The model of care that was put in place was an interim model of care you know, I suppose one of the things is when it comes to medicine and healthcare, people expect that we will be definitive, that we, you know, look at things in a black and white way and that we act with confidence. But COVID has been a very humbling experience. And I think we've realised that we need to try and make our best decisions at a point in time, put services in place. But we need to review and we need to learn and we need to adapt. So I think this study here is about reviewing where we are with that service provision and then seeing where we need to go next and doing that critically, Pat, by listening to the voices of people who've been affected by the problem. All right, Paul, thank you very much for joining us. Dr. Paul Kavanagh, Specialist in Public Health Medicine at the HSC. Listening to all of that, Jack Lambert, Professor of Infectious Diseases at the UCD School of Medicine. Jack, good morning. Good morning. Now, you've already um, done some work on the number of people who suffer from long COVID. Uh, What do you make of the HSC's initiative today? Well, I think if if they'd put this together two years ago, um, I think it would be of value. But, um, you know, I think this is this is an emergency pandemic and we're now three years into it. And we're two years and nine months into some of our Irish patients having long COVID. You know, they were infected back in March 2020. And, you know, what we're doing now is putting together a survey that's going to take another six months to put services in place. And and I, I guess I, I, I guess the question is 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 it really necessary? I mean, all of the comments I, I listened to, I actually was asked about this six months ago, um, because the HSE were planning something back in October, a year, you know, last year. So here we are, you know, six months later, they're planning to implement it now, and they're planning to maybe have results by September. But I was asked to, to comment on it based on a study that was done in, very similar study, it was done in Scotland, published in a very famous journal, Nature, um, and it talks about the outcome among confirmed cases and matched comparison group in long COVID in Scotland. And they actually did exactly the same thing, uh, but not only did they take patients with, with diagnosed covid sick, asymptomatic. They also took matched controls, people who were never infected. So they took 33,000, not 10,000, of people with confirmed COVID-19 and then 62,000 controls. And they've done exactly the same analysis. The only thing that doesn't look like they did was they looked, they, they didn't kind of look at what services did people access? But nonetheless, my comment six months ago was, you know, aren't the Scottish very similar to the Irish? Isn't COVID COVID? Um, couldn't we use that information to speed up our, you know, our establishment of uh, long COVID clinics mm-hmm. that are fit for purpose? Because right now I would say that they aren't fit for purpose and time is of the essence for these people, some of them three I mean, years unwell. He, he, uh, he did, uh, Dr. Paul Kavanagh, talk about uh, 13 COVID clinics around the country. That seems uh, a good scattering. Um, right, but, but, what's, but what's happening with these COVID clinics, the post-acute COVID clinics are for the first three months after COVID for the respiratory complications. Those complications, by and large, don't exist. So look at the numbers of people that are going to these clinics. It's probably very small. 
and look at the number of people that are that are clinics that set up and people are having to wait one year uh, to see some of the long COVID clinics. Why? What are they doing with the, you know, there's 37 hours in, uh, a week that they should be working running COVID clinics. They're not doing that. So the current services, if you listen to patients, they're, they're, they're not providing the service they need. We do need to restructure and he does mention the interim model, the interim model that was put together um, to, to get eight pulmonary centers and six infectious disease centers and one neurocenter. It was outdated before, at the minute that it was released because a year before we knew that we needed 10 urology centers and maybe one or two pulmonary, one or two ID centers. So we got the model wrong um, because we were too late. And I, I would say that this epidemiology study is too late. The Scottish followed people for 18 months, you know, and then published their results in Nature Medicine in October 22. So that means they must have thought about it, you know, back in 2020 and started doing the study back then. Here we are in 2023, three years into it. And I think this study, uh, rather than taking the information from other studies and the pilot study done at the Mater and the pilot study done in Cork. That's Irish data. Um, I think we should look at the data that's available uh, to, to, to put together a service now rather than delay it another 6-12 months. Uh, a number of texters uh, claiming that uh, this long COVID will be exploited by scammers, you know, malingerers who uh, try to use long COVID as an excuse for doing nothing. Well, I don't think so. I, I mean, most of the patients I see are were not scammers before they got COVID, and here they are debilitated, you know, and they had good lives and they had good jobs and they had good, you know, lifestyles, and all of a sudden to become a scammer when you had a great life yeah. before, I don't think so. I think that's the exception rather than the rule. All right, so uh, this information gathering, you, you think it's not quite pointless because it would be local information, but uh, almost too late for right. what needs to be done right now. Right. Yeah, and we, we have, like I said, we smaller numbers, but we actually had not, not just sending out text messages, we actually saw patients and follow-up, you know, the first 150 at the Mater back in 2020, and we published those results, and the res- those results, about 10% of people still sick at one year, and we know all, all that data is available in smaller mm. numbers, and now we have numbers available that reproduce that from Scotland and from other countries. Um, uh, you know, why do we need to do lo- local well, data? Th- there's one thing uh, th- that would perhaps be different here, and that is the level of vaccination in this country was very high. Um, so perhaps the profile of long COVID has changed with uh, the massive uh, and very successful vaccination program. Right. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, is that that study has also been done in America. There's been a huge study looking at the effect of vaccination and long COVID with the VA medical centers, which are, which are taking numbers 10 times the numbers that Scotland have done. So you see, this, this data is already out there in the medical literature, Pat. So, uh, you know, the, I, I get back to an analogy. Back in the olden days of HIV and AIDS, there was a new drug called AZT to give to pregnant women. And the, all of a sudden, the kids didn't become infected. And then we, you tried to implement it worldwide, and India decided we're going to do our own study with AZT and pregnant women to see if, you know, if, if it's different from you know, pregnant women in India as opposed to every other country in the world. And that delayed AZT being released for use in India by a year. And lots of children became infected with HIV as a result of that. So I just think we have to look at the urgency of this. And and, um, I'm not saying 
what they've designed is not a good study, but I, I'm not sure it's necessary at this stage. I think urgency is the name of the game. I think we should be looking at all the scientific data available and making a plan yesterday, not waiting another six to 12 months. Jack Lambert, Professor of Infectious Diseases at the UCD School of Medicine. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.